the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, I just want to let everyone know that this podcast is taken from the radio show. Uh, That means some of the audio you won't hear directly, but you should be able to hear me for the whole entirety of the show. Enjoy. Take care. And um, talk to you soon. Welcome in to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Hopefully you're well today. It's Friday. Friday is my fun, relaxing kind of let's take a look at business day. Today we're seeing the Dow up. No, no, no. Dow starting up. How quickly things change. Nope, now it's up again. So the Dow's up one point. The NASDAQ is down fractions. And the S&P 500 is up one point. First couple stocks that I want to pull up instantly because it's earnings season is intel glorious quarter they're down 20 cents next stock i want to pick up is jp morgan good quarter they're up 73 cents it's kind of what we're dealing with at this point in time last year on this day the day after intel and the day after jp morgan chase reported earnings we kind of got into a little bit of trouble on wall street This was when we started a little bit of a corrective phase on Wall Street. So we're paying attention to that today. No doubt about it. Let's talk a little bit about a little specifically what we saw last night. Intel reported a 48%. Go with this. A 48% increase in fourth quarter net income. Profit that was six cents ahead of expectations and they're down today. Sometimes conventional wisdom just flat out fails. So Intel offered first quarter revenue guidance of 11.1 all the way up to 11.9 billion. The midpoint of the guidance range was 7% above the consensus expectation. So maybe they didn't blow out future revenues, but it's still pretty good, better than what analysts were expecting for sure. Intel's CEO indicated that 2010 was the best year in Intel's history and that 2011 should be better. If you look at the all-time high on the stock, it's it's way off. So what the heck is going on? It's a good question. JP Morgan reported a 47% increase in income, posting a profit that was 12 cents, that was um 13 cents ahead of expectations. So it's supposed to earn about a buck twelve a share. They ended up earning about uh a buck twenty-five. So it's pretty good. Results that helped J.P. Morgan across the bank's businesses contributed to solid performance included credit trends. J.P. Morgan's credit card and wholesale business continued to improve. So that's one of the areas that we're most concerned on, and we're getting through it. This is the earnings stuff that stock market rallies are made of. This is the earnings stuff that rocket moves are made of. Not today, though. Had this come out Three months ago, six months ago, nine months ago, holy Toledo. Now the market's starting to get a little bit tired. It's 
definitely overextended. If you take a look at the last five trading sessions, it kind of looks like an empire state building a bit of a movement. If you take a look at the last five months, it definitely looks um, ahead of a moving average. So today we're not blowing things out. Now that gives us you know more challenging aspects to explain why. Lackluster response clearly to Intel and JP Morgan, not entirely surprising. Again, last year on this very same day, this was the beginning of a negative move on the market. So it's something I was kind of expecting. I keep saying, you know, glory days are great, but you need to give some back. You can't always be going up to 52 week highs. Intel and JP Morgan are up 19% and 24% respectively since the end of August. So a lot of these great numbers are already baked into the news. Both companies are still confronted with headwinds of their own. In the case of Intel, it's tied towards the shareholder concerns that its competitive position in smartphones and in the tablet market's not what it should be. I'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. In the case of JP Morgan, it's shareholder concern about its mortgage business in one respect and concern that it has its hands tied when it comes to raising the dividend with the United States government on the other. There's a little bit of a distraction factor at work today as well. China's raising its required reserve ratio for the seventh time since January 2010. So China's doing everything they can. Well, no, no, no. China's doing what they can. No, 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 no. China is trying to fight their inflation. It's sometimes fun picking the words correctly for this. Now, that move has diverted some attention away from Intel and JP Morgan and focused us on, you know, what's going to happen to Intel and JP Morgan if China slows down? So China is my favorite beacon for growth. If I were stuck in the ocean, I'd swim towards it. So tightening measures in China and the lackluster response to Intel and JP Morgan, it's telling me, go home, have a good weekend. Don't try to beat this market. You're not going to today. A weaker than expected retail sales report has kept things in check. You know, that is important to clarify because retail sales in December were not weak. They were simply weaker than the market was expecting. And it's possible that the bad weather at the end of December played a part because we kept hearing about the snowstorms on the East Coast. Retail sales increased six-tenths of a percent. If you exclude autos, they're up five-tenths of a percent. So it's a pretty good number. And again, if you take out the Christmas holiday, it was a glorious number. If you take out the bullish, everyone was thinking things were going to go up forever and ever, it was a pretty darn good number. So CPI, consumer price inflation, is up about 1.5%. In the last 12 months, today we saw that index rise one half of a percent. So you and I are paying more for our goodies. Now, about 80% of that one half of 1% increase, 80% of it's tied towards the price of gasoline. So the other part of it's really tied towards food. Everything else in our life is not that inflationary. Kind of weird, right? Now, I want to look a little bit at Intel's numbers inside the numbers because the CEO prepared some remarks last night that I thought were some pretty interesting stuff. He said the data center group was a notable standout amongst segments in the fourth quarter, up 15% quarter to quarter, up 35% year over year. So data center, big ticket spins, doing very well. The build out of cloud computing has been a driver in the space. The CEO of Intel said yesterday that the Atom processor is much more than netbooks. With half the design win activity coming from China, many of the wins are against ARM Holdings and MIPS architecture, which again is 
a different way of processing data and competitors that they're going to have in the cell phone market. Coming up, I'm going to give you a little bit more color on what Intel had to say, why you want to continue to invest in tech, and much, much more. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on KDOW Radio News Talk 1220. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. Friday, January 14th, 2011. So far, the year is going great. And even on a day where I wanted the markets to react more positively to great numbers out of Intel and J.P. Morgan, I'm cool with it. Intel and J.P. Morgan did their part. Just because the market's not following along doesn't mean there's anything wrong. Means the market's going to start focusing on something other than earnings because it's taken for granted this is going to be a great quarter of earnings. Will it be economic forecasts going forward? Will it be political policies going forward? Will it be consistency of earnings? Maybe the market was knowing that JP Morgan and Intel was going to have a great quarter, so they're starting to look you know, into next week's earnings. Maybe Apple needs to step up to the plate and hit another home run. It'll be interesting to see. I'm not concerned about 2011. 2011 so far is shaping up to be a good year. It's not going to be a glorious year. It's not going to be a straight up year. There's going to be moments of pullbacks. I was having dinner with a friend in the industry, and he's like, I'm looking for a four, you know, over 4% correction. I'm like, I'm looking for a 6 to 10% correction. Like, I want more of a correction so that I can get more of a market at a lower price. So the Dow is down a point today. No big deal. NASDAQ is up fractions. S&P 500 is up fractions. The investment climate's still attractive with the 10-year treasury sitting at 3.2%. Oil's at $90.64 a barrel. Oil got a little bit weaker yesterday and a little bit weaker today. That combination is pulling a little bit of energy out of the stock market. Now, a little bit later in the show, I'm going to talk about some personal finance issues. I'm also going to talk about some transport stocks. Those are a sector of the economy that I look at aggressively to try to figure out what's going on. Right now, I want to finish up what I was doing at the top of the hour and tell you a little bit about what Intel had to say. This is when you listen to a conference call, you can really get some juicy insight, some good dirt into what's happening and what to expect going forward. So out of the gate, they said their data center group was a standout, up 15% quarter to quarter, up 35% year over year. So, Data center is a lot like you want to watch a hockey game online, it goes through a data center. You want to store all your photos in Facebook, it goes through a data center. The Atom processor is a lot more than netbooks. This is something that Intel is going to have to fight aggressively right now is that we all know that they're a great desktop and notebook semiconductor company, but can they get into tablets and can they get into smartphones? So their Sandy Bridge chip is seeing some good adoption, they said, with over 500 design wins already. Overall, Intel sees its revenue growth at 10% for 2011. The CEO says it will leverage its scale and expertise to grow into new mobile market devices. The forecasts an increase in capital spending to about $7.3 billion. That helped yesterday when they said that in the conference call. That helped all the semiconductor equipment companies because Intel spends the most out of any semiconductor company 
on semiconductor equipment. So Wall Street dug that. So a little bit of a, a spillover there. Uh, the company Intel said that Sandy Bridge is only going to be used in Windows 7 tablets, not in Android tablets. So that's a bit of a negative. Intel sees the Atom-based tablets allowing OEMs, original equipment manufacturers, to run multiple operating systems, which is an advantage over the ARM Holdings um, structure, in addition to comparable battery life and superior processing speeds. On the Microsoft announcement to support ARM Holdings, the CEO of Intel says it's not really news. Microsoft has had support for ARM in the past. It's a plus for Intel because it can run Windows on a phone. On the negative, there's some susceptibility of creep up from PC users migrating towards mobile units of of them of their own, so cannibalizing from themselves. Now, Intel CEO is skeptical that there are different requirements amongst users on the two platforms, so they're doing what they can. They're, they're basically saying, "Don't count us out." Elsewhere in the world of money and news, advanced micro devices they got their price target raised to fourteen bucks from nine dollars. Now, this only makes me scratch my head and tell you this story. Because earlier this week, their CEO kind of left, was, was pushed out, some mobile division problems. Most analysts cut the price target on AMD. Now, Think Equity is kind of one of those crazy research houses. And when I say crazy, I'm not talking like goofy bad or what have you. Um, just awkward, to say the least. So um, they're the only group that really upgraded the stock on that news. Now, here's why I like tech in general, and this is an area that you're going to want to stay involved in tech for the long period. Well, not for the long period. Let me correct that. I use technology stocks as rentals. There's not one technology stock that you could name for me that I'm going to own on the day I die. Maybe, maybe, maybe IBM or HP, okay? But there's not one. I don't own these. I don't feel that I have to collect them. I feel that they're trading opportunities based on product, on management, on valuation, on the economic conditions. One of the things that I like about tech trades is that mobile broadband subscriptions, mobile broadband subscription, high-speed internet subscription, right, on your phone, are set to track to surpass 1 billion users in 2011. And that's just six months after hitting half a billion users. That is stunning. This is one of the fastest-growing areas of numbers, of economic data. So during the course of 2010, a significant milestone in terms of mobile broadband subscriptions was reached. It hit half a billion, then it's going to hit a billion. Okay? Now, wait. The internet use on the mobile platform still has a huge ways to go. In the past, the internet was really driven by cheap laptop computers and tablet computers like the iPad, smartphones, and such. Now, growing data traffic has seen driving revenue for telecom operators now, so growing data traffic, you were downloading more movies and such, is going to drive for the telecom operators. Now, the Asia Pacific is going to account for the greatest number of subscriptions with about 400 million, North America, 200 million, Western Europe, 200 million. So Asia Pacific's telling you they're double what we are. Don't your investment dollars have to reflect that on some sort of way, shape, or form? Total mobile internet subscribers will hit 200 million by 2008. And by 2015, it'll just continue to uh, move on a higher level. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. Rob Black and Your Money. Coming up, I want to do a little piece on financial security. It's Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Sometime, 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 sometime in the second hour 
I'm going to give my favorite stock of the year. It's actually one of my three favorite stocks of the year. If you listen on a regular basis, you already know one of them. You already know two of the countries. I'm going to give you another one of my three favorite stocks of the year coming up in the next hour. How's that for a tease, bosses? My bosses love the teases. Coming up, a little boy's trapped in a well. I'll tell you if he gets out or not. Okay, I don't actually have that story, but it would be a good one, right? Um, I teased a little bit that I want to talk in this segment about kind of a strategy here. First and foremost, the Dow's up fractions, NASDAQ's up a point, SP 500's up fractions. JP Morgan and Intel, great, fantastic quarters. Market's not rallying because the market's been rallying since August. Market's sort of taking a day off. Stock market's closed on Monday. I'd take a day off too. This could be a four day weekend if I were think if I were being smart about it. So oil falls to nearly ninety dollars a barrel on weak U.S. jobs market from yesterday. Again, that's such a poke in the eye. Economic data that comes out around the holiday period is tough to gauge, especially employment. So we saw some great economic data in the month of December, but it's tough to gauge. Like I said during the holiday period. So we kind of need to get a little bit further away from it before we can declare victory as far as jobs are spiraling out of control. They've stopped spiraling out of control, but are they stabilizing? We'll talk about that as the show goes on. Some areas that I want to really talk to you about as far as financial security is I need you to take care of yourself because I don't think the government's going to do it for you. When you get a bonus, I need you to save it. I need you to protect your loved ones. When it comes time to borrowing money, I need you to borrow sparingly. It's stunning to me how many people don't save for retirement, but they get a cup of Starbucks coffee and drive expensive cars every year. I know people that have six, seven hundred, eight hundred dollar car payments and they don't save a penny for retirement. Those are the people that are going to, at age 60, 70, are going to be living at home in their parents' basement. Watching Maury Povich. Now, there's nothing wrong with Maury Povich. Okay, well, there's something wrong with Maury Povich. So here's how you avoid that. And I've spent years coming up with some very basic, simple advice. First and foremost is you have to invest in yourself. Every paycheck, you save 10, 15, 20%. Your own earning power, your own working from age 20 to 60, your earning power is invested in yourself and your education, your job skills. Um, don't go to college to be a philosopher. Don't go to college to be an English major. Neither of those two are going to pay you enough that in this day and age, in this society, that you're going to be able to save enough for your own retirement, except for in rare cases where you become the Maya Angelou of the nation. They're not going to pay you enough to get to retirement unless you count on someone else to take care of you, either the government or spouse. So... If you take a look at it, the difference between being a, a, a philosopher or an English teacher and, say, a financial planner or, say, a stockbroker or, say, a car salesperson, it could be up to $30,000. And that $30,000 over 10 years is $300,000. Over 30 years, it's, what, a million plus. And if it doubles every seven years, it's five, six, seven, eight million. So a $30,000 pay hike is worth two, three, four million dollars in retirement. So get your best education you can. Another thing that you could do is protect yourself. 
If you want financial security, is protect yourself. Get insurance for your health. Serious illness in your health could knock, A, your earnings income down for a long period of time, but B, it could knock your savings down. Get disability insurance. You and I have a higher probability of getting hit by a car today and not being able to go to work for six months, 12 months with a broken back than we do of dying. Not going to work for a year, two years puts us in poverty. A, we're not saving, and B, we're drawing down our savings. You also want to protect yourself against early death. I saw yesterday that some Hollywood star, age 47, had a heart attack. I don't know, was it a Highway to Heaven show, or it was one of those Touched by an Angel show? I don't think the guy did drugs. Like, There's no proof of that. Just 47 years old, dead. So hopefully he had insurance because his family's going to need it. They were counting on him working for another 15 years. Another area where you can really try to get ahead in life as far as savings, as far as taking care of yourself, this one's a little bit goofier. It's it's borrowing money. You want to be careful on how you borrow money. You don't want to get an education loan and then not put it towards education. Your home loan should be geared towards 30-year mortgage. When you take out a loan against your home, a second mortgage or third mortgage, be careful on things like home improvements. You may think the home needs an improvement, but your budget may not be able to take on that second or third loan. So be careful on how you borrow for a car. It's so easy to get a new car when you really can't afford one. Another thing, if you want to save and, and, and create wealth, is, is, borrow, is, is pay yourself first and foremost. Every paycheck, you put 10, 15, 20% into your, your nest egg. Every paycheck, if you have any credit over 8%, you pay down immediately. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, don't. Thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, I guess we could do a phone call. Let's go to Henry in Foster City. Yeah, this is interesting because Coinstar was one of my favorite stocks last year. I am off the Coinstar bandwagon. I can tell you why. Um, I've got streaming boxes now on my TV, so I now no longer ever, never, ever, ever, never need to go out and get a movie because I could always have one at my house, whether it's through Netflix or whether it's through Amazon downloads or Apple iTunes. Quickly, this idea of physical DVD, physical Blu-ray DVD is going the way of the dodo bird. And it's happened fast. Now, again, I told you last year, this was one of my favorite stocks, um, in large part because you can go into a CVS and you can just go crazy. You can say, oh, sweet, I can get a movie for a buck. That's pretty fantastic. Now, they've been adding some extra services to it to make it a little bit more intriguing, for instance, like video games and Blu-ray. Blu-ray is a little bit more expensive than the standard DVD. I think it's a buck fifty at night. Uh, analysts are downgrading the company pretty aggressively today. The stock plunged 30% in after hours on disappointing guidance. Company attributed it to a variety of operational problems. Um, Asian markets were weak ahead of expectations. Um, see if I can give some actual data from the company. I'm looking for it right now. Every analyst that I see that guided downgraded it. Netflix also is starting to come off of its um, huge move. Yeah, the only thing I'm seeing is is lower guidance. Significantly lowered. Okay, yeah, they significantly lowered guidance due to Redbox weakness. 
Um, they lowered their expectations for revenue to $390 million from 429 Earnings per share from 86 to 69 They lowered their expectations for 2011 from $1.88 billion down to $1.85 billion. Uh, Redbox's policy of rent and return anywhere saw dramatic growth in migration where people rent from one place and return to another. That's created some huge imbalances in inventory across their network, which that almost smells like that's a weird excuse for them. Um, yeah, that pre-announcement really caught everyone by surprise. Analysts put a price target now from like 70 down to 60. It's currently around 42. But this is a complete disappointment to investors. Uh, the announcement uh, is a complete disappointment. That's the best, most thorough thing that I can give you as far as what's wrong with Coinstar. Ticker symbol is CSTR. I'm seeing if there's any other big shockers that in their data that they gave. They said there's a delay on higher price Blu-ray titles despite a 16% lower box office for scheduled releases compared with those in the fourth quarter of 2009. Uh, Redbox consumers utilized rent and return anywhere, like I said, which is hurting them. Blockbuster On Demand and Hulu Plus subscription services are now available on all internet apps for like Vizio, which is again going to be taken away from Coinstar. Coinstar's life is very, very short because... There's going to come a point where if you have a child today, you and I are going to be saying, he's going to be saying, what's this DVD? What's this CD thing? Now, I'll say this. One analyst calls it his top pick for 2011. So maybe you buy it on weakness. Maybe you buy it on dips. I pulled out of the story. I pulled out of the theme. The moment I started streaming stuff to my television, I'll never... I've, I'm done. I don't really I'll pay the extra three dollars so that I don't have to go to CVS with all those sickly looking people that are on America's most wanted shows. Um, that's about all I got for you. So I hope hopefully that helps. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls in the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Coming up, I'm gonna try to complete my list on things that you can do for yourself in order to have prosperity and money and nice retirement and financial security. You're listening to twelve twenty KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Can't find my way back home. I should mention I should open up phone lines 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. In the last segment, we had a phone call from a man who owns a company called Coinstar, Henry from Foster City. And that's one of the reasons you have to be incredibly careful is this was one of my favorite stocks last year, but I've pulled away from it. And I really don't believe in owning any tech stocks till the day I die. If you bought shares of it, you did incredibly well. He did incredibly well. It's It sounds like it's had a bad day to the point of shock and drama, but if he held it since the beginning of last year when I started recommending it, you know, that was a $15 stock and then it climbed all the way to 65. If you take a look at it, it had a double top at 65 back in late November, early December, where it couldn't get higher after a big gap up. And look back at November's chart, you'll see that it went straight up from 45, ultimately kind of straight up to 65. And if you take a look at it today, it's back down to about 41. So it's Filling the gap. Technically, it's going to be pretty strong here. Next level of downside would be about 35. It looks like a little bit of an overreaction. But again, stocks aren't meant to go straight up forever and ever. This one went 
from 30 to 65. And that would be like you doubling in value on a yearly basis. You can't imagine that's going to stick forever and ever. So be very cautious with hyper growth stocks, book some profits on occasion. And if he's owned the stock for any period of time, he's up. But if he's owned it for a short period of time, he's down. So make sure you have the right time horizons with all this stuff. Coming up next hour, I'm going to give a stock that I think has similar potential this year as to a company like Coinstar did last year. But I'm going to save that for the second hour. The true tease. Keep in mind, there's no podcast this show, so if you don't hear it live, you're not going to hear it at all. Um, one of the things I was doing in the last segment before the call was talking about financial security, and I talked about some of the basic ideas of invest in yourself, get a good education. A good education is going to pay you more. Paying you more is going to lead towards the ability to save more. The ability to save more is going to equal to more in retirement. I do this show so that you and I can live from age 60 to 100 with some degree of happiness and quality of life in our retirement years. I think you want to protect your loved ones and yourself with the proper levels of insurance. I think you want to borrow sparingly, knowing that when you get a, a mortgage, it's not free money. It's money you owe back. When you get a car, it's not free free car. It's money that you owe back. So the industry tends to let us borrow more than we should, even though we shouldn't. So pay yourself first. That's critically important when I was in college, I made sure that $166 a month automatically went to my mutual fund. Um, before I bought beer, before I bought books, before I went on dates, before I bought pizza, automatically, automatically went into paying myself first. Stop going for the home run. Uh, Groupon's going to come out with an IPO later this year in 2011, it looks like. And a lot of people are going to be tempted for the home run. It's fine if it's your risky money. It's fine if it's your speculative money, but it's not fine in any other type of scenario. So if you take a look at the lifetime batting average and the, the plays of like a Mark McGuire and the Sammy Sosa's and the Reggie Jackson's, it's I'd rather have a good consistent hitter than a home run hitter on my investment team. It's nice when you get that occasional home run like a coin star last year, but you better be careful. Next idea on creating financial wealth and sovereignty and taking care of yourself is diversify. I own some bonds. It's not sexy. I own some CDs. Not sexy. I own some blue chip stocks like IBM. Not sexy. Some people would call those things sissy investments. If I were to use the analogy of underwear, those aren't thongs. Those aren't sexy. Those are granny panties. Those are functional, going to get you by but ain't no one whistling at you if you know what I'm saying. Diversification's boring for a lot of people. I own stocks, I own real estate, I own bonds, I own cash. Every dog has its day as far as stocks, bonds, real estate, and cash. And that's why I own them. So I accumulate them. Another idea on getting wealthy and doing good things for yourself in your life, creating financial security, is live simply. Uh, one of the mistakes I made in my 20s was I thought money equaled love, so I'd spend $300, $400 on a dinner. And I lived a great lifestyle in my 20s. I ate at some of the best restaurants possible, but there's a lot of women who had great meals that I don't know anymore. So don't let love lead to debt. Give generously. I can honestly say give generously. The more I, I live on this planet, help your community, help your nation, help your world, 
help your church. Um, I've got a desk that is like a $1,600 desk that I was going to sell on, on Craigslist. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go see if I can't give it to my local school. Offer it to the teachers for their homes. I know that sounds goofy, but that kind of maneuver in your local community goes a long way. Your local teachers support the little brats that are running around your neighborhood, and they're helping them enormously become human beings and become uh, people. All too often in our society, we're using teachers as babysitters, and I think they get the short end of the stick. So I truly believe that. I know a lot of people hate teachers, which is just a weird concept. They think that they get too much uh, pension, too much guarantee. I totally disagree. I don't think we can pay teachers enough in the United States. Give generously, create a better world. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Next hour, JP Morgan, Intel, stock ideas, investment tools, tips, hints, and tricks, and much, much more. It's Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Don't be shy. 1220 KDOW. You can find me online at robblack.com. I do a show on iTunes that is not the radio show. It's unique. It's smarter. It's more of a bullet shot. Good morning, and welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. It's Friday, January 14th, 2011. Trying to help you decipher what's happening on Wall Street and why on a day-by-day basis. We can talk about anything that you want to talk about, how to fund retirement, how to get to retirement, how to fund your kid's 529 plan. Um, What's wrong with active equity management? Where should your portfolio be? Dow's up 26, NASDAQ up 6, S&P 500 up 3, oil a little bit weaker yesterday, tied towards a weaker jobs market report that came out on continuing unemployment claims. They picked up a little bit after trending lower. Um, that's worthy of note. Again, we want to see higher oil. It doesn't make a lot of sense that we want to see higher oil, but we want to see higher oil. And the reason we want to see higher oil, it means that we're consuming it. Does that make sense? Now, again, if you and me come up with the biggest surprise ever for finding oil in our backyards, then maybe oil can go down and the world can still consume, continue to consume it. But typically oil rises on falls on future demand expectations. To get your calls on the air today, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Please don't be shy. That's the one thing that I ask of you is try to be interactive with the show in some way, shape, and or form. Um, Talking about Wall Street today, I think the big story would be Intel, great quarter. JP Morgan, great quarter. But Wall Street's had a great run since August. So August, September, October, November, December, January. That's six basically nonstop up months. Now, it doesn't go up 10% every month. It's not sprinting per se. But when you look at six months in a row of pretty much so nonstop up, it's sprinting per se when you add it all up. It's a big move. So today, the market's not partying like it's 1999. Maybe the market's partying like, ooh, Stock market's not open on on Monday. Maybe we can sneak out of here and have a a three-and-a-half-day weekend. Maybe that's a little bit of what we're seeing. 
Intel's numbers were glorious. I don't need to beat it up. I talked about it in the first hour. Other big stories of note today in the world of research. Motorola. There's a company called Motorola Mobility. And they're starting to get a lot of love. Last week at this time, they were at CES, and they were one of the big winners of CES. CES had a a ton of innovation this year. And Motorola won the product of the year with one of their tablets that they showed. And oddly enough, it's a tablet that runs Windows and not a tablet that runs Apple. Now, Apple doesn't go to CES, so not quite as important as far as like head-to-head comparisons. But yet Motorola is doing well, and one analyst is upgrading the price target on it to $40 a share. Ticker symbol is MMI from $33 a share. And again, not for everyone. I'm not saying that's a recommendation. I'm telling you, that's what Wall Street's seeing today as far as one of the upgrades out there. Motorola Solutions, formerly known as Motorola. They made the smart move where they spun off their smartphone business into a standalone company. Motorola Mobility took over its former parent company, which did mobile devices, wireless accessories, set-top boxes, video distribution systems, and such. So that's out there in the world of research. Um, Stifle Nicholas did an interesting one today on Carnival Cruise Lines and how they're expecting as the economy improves, as people like Rob Black are saying 2011 is going to be a good year on the stock market. So we've had 2009, 2010, 2011 that all look pretty good. Maybe Carnival Cruise Lines will start to get some of that money from you and me that we've been holding on to of let's not go on an expensive vacation, sugar booger. Let's just stay in town and get a motel. People are a little bit weary of spending big dollars and going to Greece or going to Alaska. The staycation's been a lot more prevalent than the vacation. Even though Carnival offers a boatload of fun, they're the world's number one cruise operator. I would rather die than go on a cruise. They've boasted about a dozen cruise lines and 90-plus ships. They've got a total passenger capacity of more than 180,000. To me, they just look like hotels in a bus on the water. And to me, they just just scream of of contagions and, and diseases all in one contained area. That's the one thing I don't ever want to do is go on a cruise. Yes, someday I will, and you will mock me, and you will make fun of me. But they do like the Canard line. They've got the Princess brand, the Love Boat, Ada, the luxury trans- transatlantic liners. So they're not going out of business anytime soon. But one analyst is saying this is an interesting play. As more people feel comfortable with the economy, you got a healthy outlook for 2011, you should see bookings move up. Real estate, not real estate agents, but travel agents are indicating upbeat patterns and pricings. Who's a travel agent in this day and age? I don't know one single travel agent. Do you? IBM saw their price target raised today to 160 from 140. It's currently $148 stock. This is one of the most boring stocks on the planet. If you were to put a gun to my head, I'd own it till the day I die. I don't want you to put a gun to my head. Please don't. But I'd consider owning it till the day I die. Apple's going to come out with earnings next week. A lot of analysts are starting to take a look at Apple as far as how's their quarter going to go. Real quick, I want to finish IBM. It's got a low valuation of about 12 times earnings. They tend to buy back their shares. They tend to have the highest dividend in the, the world of technology. That's It's a services company and not a technology company. So to me, they service technology. 
but they're not a technology company. It's one of the ones that I like. So Apple's going to report numbers next week, and you're starting to see some analysts you know, compile some numbers on what to expect out of Apple. We're looking for about 16 million iPhones. We're looking maybe as many as 18 million for the Mac. We're looking at 4.2 million. Um, we expect a big take up on the MacBook Air. Apple, and for the record, the MacBook Air is an incredibly thin computer. And one story that analysts are starting to tell in 2011, they would like to see the MacBook Air built in America. If there's one, ta-da, that Steve Jobs can do at this point in time, it would be to build the product that we all want in America. A lot of the equipment manufacturing's happened in China, and we keep hearing about how these young Chinese Men and women are coming from the farms and they're going to the big city and they're being working 18 hours a day and some of them are killing themselves. It's a tragic story. But with the MacBook Air, if you look at it manufacturing-wise, we can't mess it up. It's almost a snap-in-place type of product. Could it be manufactured in the United States? That's one big rumor for 2011 with Apple. Another big rumor is that they're going to buy Sony. Another big rumor is, is, let's see if I can make one up right now. Another big – oh, that they're going to buy um, SanDisk. And I didn't just make that up right now. That's actually a big rumor out there because they need the flash memory. And why not buy the biggest supplier of it so you can contain your cost and, and control your supply? VMware, their price target was raised to 100 today. That's, that's an interesting one. VMware was one of those tech companies that came out as an IPO, and everyone wanted it to go to 250 or as I like to say, 250 It didn't. It came public. It struggled a little bit. People wanted it to go higher. It didn't. So in hindsight, it did its job. It came public. It kind of got overvalued. It kind of came back in price. And now it's kind of starting to rock. What VMware does is virtualization software. And the only way I could explain it to you is if you use multiple operating systems, it's ideal. You don't use multiple operating systems on one box, but corporate America does. So it's a play on corporate America. To get your calls in there, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Coming up, we've got more technology news than I know what to do with today. And maybe your phone calls, 800-516-1220. This is a tough show to really put into a box and say that we definitely do it this way or that way on a daily basis. A large portion of it is a business show. A large portion of it is investments that continue to deal with now versus the future. But a lot of it is looking at news stories and just giving you a second opinion on them. Because I think it's way too easy to take headlines for granted. For instance, China reportedly lifts their bank reserve requirements today. This is by half a percentage point. And this is, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, you know? I I want you to know that it's a good and bad. China's making their banks a little bit more cautious. China's making their banks a little bit safer. They're trying to fight inflation for the average person so that they don't have to go out and buy a house that's up 100% year over year. They're trying to fight inflation so they don't have to go out and buy food. So they want to buy a tofu, a tofurkey. 
They don't have to pay double what it was a year ago. So they're, they're doing, on one hand, a great thing. On the other hand, what are you doing, China? Why are you slowing down? I want that instant gratification right now. Right? Do you see where I'm going at? That most of these stories can be played positive and negative. There's been tragic flooding in Queensland, Australia. Tragic. Flooding the size of the state of Texas. Now, the coal supplier Alpha Natural Resources is located there. And the cost of coal sales in the east are going to be higher than previously expected because of a cold winter. And they're going to have some problems getting coal out of the ground in Australia. So you may see coal as a play on on a flood. If you believe God does floods or rivers do floods or whatever does floods, mining stocks don't like floods because floods go in the water and you can't get in the mine. Now, mining stocks tend to move higher because of that. People will obviously get their coal elsewhere, but the price of coal will go higher. Other stories in the news that we could try to use here. Vietnam is poised to become the third fastest growing market for international air passengers and freight by 2014. Its future cannot be taken for granted. Vietnam's economy ranks 58th out of 183. It's grown about 5% a year. You should have some exposure to Vietnam's ETF exchange traded fund. If you want hyper growth, growth, growth that could give you a headache because again, it's fun on a roller coaster, right? But you get that slow, steady crank, 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 higher. And then you get a wee kind of a moment. It's a it's a roller coaster though, and I know a lot of people won't ride roller coasters because it's just too much drama, too exciting for them. Vietnam's one of those too much dramas, it's very exciting. There's gonna be years where you're down fifty percent, you're gonna curse Rob Black. You're gonna say, if I see that guy in public, I'm gonna pop him in his nose. Please don't pop me in my nose. I'll cry like a baby. J.P. Morgan today is saying that their fourth quarter profit rose to four point eight billion dollars. I'm sorry, but you got to own some J.P. Morgan. You're not going to make instant gratification from it today. Any company that makes $4.8 billion is good by me. Period. I don't care if you're selling cancer. I don't care if you're peddling a death star. If you make $4.8 billion in 90 days, you're okay by me. Now, again, that's a little bit of a joke. It's a little bit of an exaggeration, but... It's not a bad idea. Let's keep moving forward with some of these news stories because I'm having fun. There's a new IPO coming out today called Cosmos Energies. It's a Dallas-based independent oil and gas exploration company. I know nothing about it. Ticker symbol is KOS. I wish I had more for you on it, but I don't. Winter storms on the East Coast. They're hitting, again, up and down the East Coast this week. Another foot, two foot of snow. After last week's Christmas week's foot, two foot of snow. And it's going to hurt the airlines. Their first quarter profits are going to stink. American Airlines, Delta, United, Southwest, JetBlue, Alaska Airlines. These are all airlines that are going to get hit. Probably 100 to 145 million cancellations and rollback airlines on profits. 1,800 cancellations. 
It's going to reduce profit by about 35 to 45 million plus, assuming between 7 to 10% of passengers and freight shippers actually cancel. Now, the first three days of the week, airlines canceled about 9,000 flights, another 6,000 on Tuesday and Wednesday. Now, that's the type of weakness that I may acquire shares on. Now, I, here's, here's something about me. I won't buy airlines. Warren Buffett made one of his biggest financial mistakes buying an airline. He bought a company called TWA, also known as Teeny Weeny Airlines. That's really not the name of it, but if I say it with conviction, you might believe it, right? Um, where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? Yeah, I won't buy airlines, even if they have a bad winter. Just not me. Hasbro said today that they expect 2010 earnings to be about 248, slightly above expectations. Now, the only thing that I can get out of that story is that it's okay. I can't get hot. I can't get cold. I can get okay. M&T Bank. They said today their fourth quarter profit was $204 million. A lot of people believe that regional banks were going to get hit this year and last year as a lot of retailers went out of business and the retailers at malls tend to get their loans through regional banks instead of national banks because the national banks used to do that back in the 80s and 90s, but we had our savings loan crisis thrift disaster in 89 through 92. So the big banks don't really do local mom and pop or local mall store type of mortgages anymore. So a lot of people thought the regional banks were going to get crushed. It didn't happen. That's one of those things. If I made a prediction in 2010, I would have said commercial real estate's going to take it on the nose and that the banks, the regional banks are going to get hurt bad. Didn't happen. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Coming up on the show, lessons from the crisis, lessons from 2008. What went wrong and what can we learn from? Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Just got an email from someone that emailed me about a month ago. And a month ago, he came across as probably one of the biggest fools on the planet as far as there's some people out there who believe that using technical indicators that you can buy and sell successfully in the market, that all you need to do is see a ladder. All you need to do is to see uh, a cup and handle. All you need to do is look at a chart and see a visual representation and that you can use that information and become a millionaire. It's funny because he sends me, sends me an email. He goes, uh, you just use technical terms, double tops and support levels. And he's kind of trying to like make it sound like that's a problem. First and foremost, I use technicals all the time. I use what are called technicals and fundamentals. I'm more of a economics approach, quantitative approach to money. I would rather look at the sales of a company or the price to sales ratio of a company or the margins of a company. But even then, I don't take that as, well, price to sales ratio is, is X and the PE is 14. I want to see the last four quarters of earnings and I want to see the next four quarters of earnings to make sure there was nothing spectacular in it. To me, I, I find people like this fool who sends an email to really have a disconnect in reality and I said it then and I'll say it again. If he ever wants to compare his portfolio to mine, I'd love to do it. 
as long as he's willing to put $10,000 down, I guarantee you I double or triple his results over time, depending on how much time you give me. People who use technicals and who try to use that, they're basically trying to say, I'm going to be smarter than the market. And yet, most people aren't smarter than the market. The market's made up of winners and losers. You can't be smarter than the market over a period of time. You could participate in the market. So I find people that are trying to find shortcuts and mathematical formulations to be kind of like the people in life that don't believe in Western medicine, that don't believe in science, that don't believe in using chemo to fight cancer. I just, I don't think they're based in reality. I don't think they're anywhere close to based in reality. So this is the type of listener I don't want on the show because they've got a massive disconnect from reality. I'd rather that person listens to a show that's trying to take your money. I'd rather that person listen to a show that's trying to get you to sign up for a class because, of course, I'm going to use technicals. If a, if a stock can't get above 60 twice, maybe Wall Street's concerned and saying we're not going to put more money into it because the valuation looks stretched at, at 60. I'll pay 58 for it, but I ain't paying 60 for it. And let's say 9-11 happens and 2008, the financial crisis happens. Two horrible events and the housing recession, three horrible events in the 2000s. And if a stock's not willing to go below, say, a, a floor of, let's say, 40, it hits 40 in, in 9-11. It hits 40 in the banking crisis. It hits 40 during the housing crisis. Let's say even it hits 40 during the presidential election. What that's telling you is it's not going below 40. There's been enough bad news out there that it ain't going beneath 40. So you might be able to get some value picking it up near 40. So anyway, mm. let's talk about some of the other lessons that I hope you've learned over the last four or five years. Cash is great, right? Having cash on hand to be able to take advantage of a falling market. 2008, the markets fell apart. And if you had cash, you're up 40, 50, 60%. The market's not going to go to zero in your lifetime, ladies and gentlemen. And if it does, we're all screwed on a bigger level than you think. So having cash as some sort of percentage to take advantage of weakness is, is a smart thing. Another piece of advice that I've learned in the last five years that I can pass on to you is that easy credit helps no one tough credit helps the, the recent mortgage that i got was a great mortgage and i jokingly referred to not only did i have to give up my w-2s not only did i have to you know sign affidavits of, of i've been working not only did i have to show bank statements but i had to get a proctology exam where i was basically saying they're doing everything they can to make sure that they're not lending money to a fool and lending money to a fool hurts everyone cheap money encourages people to overpay for property Overpay for corporations. Easy credit helps no one. And if you can't afford a, a mortgage and you suddenly get a mortgage, you're going to fail on that mortgage. When other people panic, you want to buy. That's a piece of advice I could live with 10 times over. When other people get greedy, you want to sell. There's been a, a little bit of, of decoupling you know, will, a, will the world operate without the United States? Will the United States operate without the world? And 
I don't think that decoupling theory is really standing up as much. I think we need, we're a world economy now. I think government should anticipate recessions. I think you as an individual should anticipate recessions. Let's take a look at what we're currently seeing. 2008 earnings were awful, right? That's when we were in our, our, our recession. Two quarters in a row of negative earnings growth and GDP or negative GDP growth. Now, since then, we've, we've kind of got earnings came back. Earnings are roaring right now. Did you happen to see the numbers out of Intel and JP Morgan? JP Morgan made over $4.3 billion. So I think governments and people should start anticipating them because next quarter, let's say JP Morgan has another great quarter. Let's say they, they grow earnings to $6 billion. And they have another great quarter. They grow earnings to $8 billion. At some point in time, the, the, the bar is too high. And we got to go negative on it. And that's going to lead to a recession. And that's okay by me. So I'm going to have some cash because I'm getting ready for it. It ain't going to happen today. I don't think it happens at least 2012, 2013, maybe. So I'm stockpiling some cash. And I wish our government would do the same thing when things are great. Stockpile cash because there's going to be a recession where tax receipts come in light. Why go into massive debt over it? Well, because our, our Congress people, the people we elect to, to represent us, suck at, at it. They want to they always, always have... They've never met a dollar they didn't like. They never met a tax increase they didn't like. I think free markets need some oversight. I think that's something that we learned. You know, a pro football or basketball game without sensible rules and tough referees, it it turns into bedlam. I think the financial markets need some tough referees. Now, I don't think we need too many. You know, whistle-happy ref this weekend during the football games spoils the game. I don't want to see everything called. I think high compensation breeds risky behavior. And when J.P. Morgan makes $4.3 billion, it could breed risky behavior. I think you need to securitize risk, but don't change risk. Slicing an asset into small pieces just spreads the prospective gains and losses over more owners. I think the idea of too big to fail must have consequences. I don't like the concept of too big to fail. We thought Bear Stearns and Lehman might have been too big to fail, so we tried to help, sort of, kind of, maybe. One we let go, one we let live. I don't like the idea of too big to fail. You know a company that would probably benefit enormously from breaking up, speaking about too big, would be Microsoft. They've got an operating systems division. They got hardware divisions. They got business divisions. They got enterprise divisions. They got video game divisions. They got uh, video game software, video game hardware. So I don't know. Another thing I hope everyone's learned in the last five to ten years that home is a shelter. It's not an investment. Home prices can and do rise, and they do fall. Like all other assets, don't expect appreciation, the value of your home to be a substitute for retirement savings. If my home is, is worth something when I retire, I'll be happy. If my Social Security is worth something when I retire, I'll be happy. But I'm going to make sure I do everything I can to make sure I got cash to go on well beyond that. Washington automatically grows every single year, it seems. That's worthy of note. The federal government always expands its spending and authority in times of crisis. It's done because of popular demand. It takes years to pay down the debt and assess the wisdom of that. But anytime there's a crisis, our government's going to spin their way out of it or they're going to try to. 
And as an investor, the next time there's a crisis, take advantage of it. When you see the markets falling and you see our government saying, you know, unemployment's a problem and we're going to have a stimulus, invest in the stock market. That stimulus got you 60% returns. Another thing I think I've learned and hopefully we've all learned in the last 5, 10 years is that way too many people are living beyond their ways and means. Peter Gabriel once said, I'm living in the... I'm living beyond my ways and means. I'm living in the zone of the in-betweens. I don't know what that means, but I do know that too many people spend way too much money on clothes, on cars, on their homes, on kitchen improvements. Hey, I have a kitchen improvement. I love it. I like having friends come over and say, that's a good-looking kitchen. I can afford it. Most people can't. The United States is dangerously dependent on foreign creditors. Because excessive borrowing by Washington, excessive consumption by imports, i.e. oil, personal savings rate that is near zero. So those are some of the lessons we've learned. What lessons have you learned? 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Don't be shy. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on 1220 KDOW. Walking out of a cave on your hands and seeing the world hanging upside down, is, it's, it's all about seeing life. It's all about, uh, I don't know. I'm a big fan of that band. Mumford and Sons, Mumford and Sons. Go buy the whole album. It's a great album. It's probably the best album that I've bought in five plus years. They've been nominated for Best New Artist this year based on a song called Little Lion Man that is just a kick-butt song. Like, you, I, ah, I know you're saying it's got a, but it's got a banjo. <laughs> I know. It's cool. It's, it's something we haven't heard in a while. I know. Steve Martin kind of killed the banjo for a lot of us. Monday, I'm going to have a special show for you. Today, I've been teasing the idea that I'm going to give you one of my favorite stocks for the year. And I've decided not to. No, 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 that's not true. I am going to do it. it. This is on the conservative side. I've already given three out of 25 stocks and two countries. So I've already given about five out of the 25 names I'm going to give. I'm not going to give you a list. I'm going to save the list for seminars and, and events to get you to come out in public. But the one that I want to point out today is a company called BB&T. It is a bank. It is a conservative bank. I'm looking for a 25% return. On a market that I'm looking at, maybe 15 to 20 percent best case scenario, five to 10 to 15, probably more likely. To me, BB and T stands for big, bold, and temptuous. Okay, that's not true, but it's a banking company that covers the Southeast and it covers it well. It's one of the areas that I think there's growth in the United States, the Southeast. The company serves consumers, small to mid-sized businesses, government entities, 1,800 branches. It's one of North Carolina's oldest banks, which, again, no one on the West Coast knows this because we're all afraid to go over the Rocky Mountains because we think there's outhouses on the East Coast. But the banking system on the East Coast rocks. It rocks. And especially in North Carolina, when we started setting up the, the trade for tobacco, Banks really came into their own uh, 200 plus years ago. In addition to deposit accounts and loans, company offers insurance, mutual funds, discount brokerage, wealth management. So it's got some stuff in it that 
it makes it not a bank. To me, the thing that I like about the company is it's got a nice dividend of about 2.2%. It's well off its 52-week high. I don't think it should be. It's well off its all-time high. I think it should be, but that gives me room to, to get some recovery into it. It showed technically a really nice bottoming process. Like We're not going to go much lower, right around $23. And again, it's $26 now. So I've, I've tried to find a stock that we could eliminate some of the risk, give you some upside of financials. Financials, one of my favorite sectors for 2011. So there you go. You've now got six ideas that I've thrown down for 2011. If you listen to the show, as I like to, to demand, five days a week, two hours a day, I want you to be a part of the 10-hour listener club. If you are, you'll win many a great prizes um, because you'll be enriched knowledge-wise that, well, it's a gift, right? I know I've made a lot of you smarter. I've gotten some lovely emails from people recently saying that they appreciated. One guy said, Rob, your words, I'm not your Buddha, I'm your, not your guru. He said they resonated with me. And even though I go running and I listen to your wise words and your wise cracks, they're appreciated. He's put together a great portfolio. It's up 30% last year. Um, he's opened up you know, numerous accounts. He's got more money saved than he's ever had before in his life. He moved out of the Bay Area, so he listens to us online. He wants nothing more than to get to that $2 million mark. He's got a wife and kid that he's trying to take care of, and he's doing a great job. Earlier in the week, I, get, I read an email from Gabrielle, who in the last eight years, nine years, just a young woman, mid-30s now. When she started listening to the show, she was in her late 20s. She's got over $400,000 in nine years. She's got a tech job that's good, not great. She doesn't dress in the sexiest clothes. She doesn't drive the craziest cars. She doesn't spend an enormous amount of money on food or alcohol. She just saves her money. She's got $400,000 in 10 years. I love that story. That story almost makes me want to cry. That story almost makes me want to walk away happy and content. So I like BB&T. That's my stock pick. Whoops, hold on. I hear Mark Morris. I suppose we can. I just love hearing my own voice. But let's go to Ray in San Jose. Good, Ray. What you got for me? Give me the name of the stock again. I didn't quite catch that. Give me a ticker on it. Uh, Emulex. Oh, okay. You want Emulex. Okay. For some reason, I was hearing something totally different. Uh, give me a second. And for the record, my, my price target on BB&T is about 35 to 40. Emlx, if I remember correctly. Uh, that's not it. Emulex. ELX, $12.77 stock, nice recovery since September, uh, nowhere near its 52-week high, nowhere near its 52-week bottom. It's broken out recently. Let's pull up some financial data points. I need to move faster, and I can't. Rumor is that they're going to be taken over. That's what I got for you on it. I'm out of time, unfortunately. 
Uh, rumor is fundamentally looks okay, but there's rumors it's going to be taken over. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. Special show coming to you on Monday. You're going to want to hear it because it's going to be great. That's about all the time that I have for today. Keep in mind, some days I'm going to do the, the small podcast. Some days I'm going to steal straight from the radio show like I did today. I think they're different shows. Hopefully you enjoy them both. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Have a good day. And I'll be back to this again Monday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week. Take care. Have a good weekend. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 